Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Mitchell Robinson on his way back for the New York Knicks, and we make some bold predictions, including RJ maybe not starting in the playoffs and which Nick will ultimately make All-NBA. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, in case you didn't know. Now you do. We're available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. So go check us out there um, as soon as possible. Hit that subscription button. Hit that notifications bell so you never, ever miss an episode. But, hey, who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shell, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. And, uh, yeah, we are, we, are, we are multifaceted today, Alex, but we got some good news on Mitchell Robinson, finally, to start things off. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Uh, I've got, I'll pull the quote from Steve Popper here of Newsday. Uh, Mitchell Robinson was back at practice today, full contact. And then a quote uh, from Tibbs, he was cleared for contact. It's his first day back, so we'll see how he feels. He's got to go step by step. This is the next step. Go from practice, take contact, do everything, and see how he feels tomorrow. So pretty exciting news. I mean, I think the Knicks... I've noticed a couple times recently, you know, I was actually like pleasantly surprised with how well that they've adjusted to life without Mitch. However, it's pretty easy to get really excited about the prospect of, yeah, well, this team has been playing as good as they have. And yet now is going to get this guy back who up until recently was still to, to this point in the season, their most one of their most impactful players if you look at the the net rating stats and on off and stuff like that which i'll let you present in just a moment but i mean he's he basically does everything that they've been asking like hartenstein and especially jericho sims to do except for way better and is way better equipped to deal with like some of the the bigger threats out there like literally bigger like he he defends <laughs> some of the best centers in the league quite well uh, and that's always useful, especially in you know the the East, where I feel like there's a decent number of those guys, uh, particularly in division when you have like a Joel Embiid. Um, so yeah, it's it's like I think huge news that Mitch is coming back after the All Star break, and I feel like this really, if he comes back starting Game One out of the break, I feel like this does a lot for the Knicks as far as their prospects for these final twenty two games. And being able to sort of, uh, you know, put their best foot forward and get, you know, on the right track going down the, the stretch of the season here and maybe make a little bit of noise and, and move up in the standings a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we can to your point, we can go through it in terms of his net rating stuff. So Emmanuel quickly actually just passed him in terms of having the best differential on the team. But the Knicks, um, as of the All-Star break, uh, three and a half points better on offense when Mitch is on the court um, and allow five and a half less points on defense. Um, so that is in the 90th percentile in the whole NBA. That adds up to a 8.8 point differential um, when Mitchell Robinson is on the floor than when he is off the floor. Um, so the Knicks, I mean, there's no other there's no other way to put it. The Knicks are a substantially better team when Mitchell Robinson is on the court. And Alex, if I'm going to take this a step further, I think this is the real reason the Knicks went out and got Josh Hart. It, it was to press the advantage that Mitchell Robinson gets them. I mean, they're they a completely different rebounding team when he's in the game than when he's out the game. Of course, he, he is the second best offensive rebounder in the league uh, behind Steven Adams. I mean, I, I think it was for the 12 games leading up to his injury. He was the best offensive rebounder in the league. And we, we've seen what Josh Hart can bring to the table in terms of that. I mean, in that respect, like arguably the best guard rebounder in all of basketball right now. And I think him and Mitch have an opportunity to just bully teams. And I, I was recently, I was listening to the low post and they were going through how the Memphis Grizzlies have completely fallen apart uh, without Steven Adams on their team and offensive rebounding. There was a few years there where, the whole league kind of went away from it and they're like, all right, this is kind of Neanderthal ball. This is, this is not the way the NBA is going. Like, let's just, let's just not risk it. Let's just get back on defense. And, and teams since then have been like, you know what, wait just a sec. What if we could do both and, and have kind of figured out the balance and, and all of a sudden offensive rebounding, it's back. It's a big factor in the NBA. Again, Mitch has graded it hard is graded it. And I think that is, to some extent, the Knicks' pathway in the playoffs is to be an isolation heavy and, in turn, a very low turnover team. And when they miss those shots, they want to rebound a whole lot of them. And I think between Mitchell Robinson and Josh Hart, the Knicks are going to be able to do just that. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that Hart is at his best on the defensive rebounding end of things, too, which is crazy because he's really good at offensive rebounding as well. But defensive rebounding is like his his like S-tier stat, like 99th, 100th percentile. Uh, in the entire NBA among wings, which is crazy because like his his qualification, like if you go on like cleaning the glass where they have all these percentiles is wing, even though he's sized more like a guard. Uh, that's sort of just the position that he slotted into, which, you know, of course, wings includes tons of much larger players than Josh Hart, just in pure size wise. And yet he's still pacing that entire field right now. Uh, but I think that's the big thing is Mitchell Robinson. If you look at the stats, is among the league leaders in box outs and has been for the last couple of years uh, and has really heavily influenced guys like Julius Randle, for example, being able to net double-digit rebounds per game by the fact that he'll just take like whoever the most imposing rebounder is on the other team and just can completely take them out of you know defensive rebounding. Well, for them, offensive rebounding situations, but for, for the Knicks, defensive rebounding situations – he could totally take out the other team's best offensive rebounder, which, as you've noted, is becoming more of a thing that teams are coveting again in the NBA. And he can completely like take that guy out of the play and open up the path for a Julius Randle or a Josh Hart to go in there and get a rebound and start a fast break or you know, just secure possession if that's all they need to do at that particular moment. But in the case of Hart, I, I think the thing that I am most looking forward to with how Hart plays and how he runs in transition is the fact that you could have a lot more situations where Hart could get the ball 
grab and go and just be on the other end of the floor in the blink of an eye and finishing a layup all off of a Mitchell Robinson box out. So yeah, that, that combo, you know, we've only gotten to see Hart for a few games in a Knicks uniform, but that's definitely the combo that I've been most excited to see is Mitch and Hart because their skills really do complement each other in a really fantastic way, which I'll get into a little bit more in the next segment, I think, uh, once we get into that. But Gavin, did you want to real quick before we get into our bold predictions for the quote second half of the season? Still a joke. It's only 22 games. Uh, but before we get into that, would you like to remind everybody where they can go if they want to play some fun daily fantasy? Yeah, Alex, uh, there is only one place uh, that I can recommend to everyone, and that is, of course, prize picks. Um, so how does it work? All you have to do is pick two to six players, and they go score more or less than their prize projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So tonight, I think I'm going to take, uh, or I guess I guess Friday night when the Knicks play, I'm going to take Jalen Brunson uh, over 25 and a half points. I, I think he keeps the hot streak going. Um, I'm going to just call it and say Mitch is out there playing. I'm going to take Mitchell Robinson uh, over eight and a half rebounds. I, I think he wants to make a statement in his first game back. Um, I'm taking Julius Randle under four and a half assists. I think he's feeling himself a little bit after the all-star break and he's kind of shoot first. Um, there's no competing against other people. That's the brilliance of this. So, so those guys that live in their mom's basement and, and are just crunching numbers all day, you don't have to deal with those dudes. <laughs> all you have to do is go against the projections available and price picks offers projections and any sport that you watch, seriously, they go deep. It includes WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, along with all the major sports you watch day in and day out. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational over 30 states and Canada. All you have to do is download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And with that, we are back on Locked on Knicks, and it's about that time, Alex. Bold predictions, second half, final quarter of the season, whatever you want to call it. Let, 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 let's continue with the thread that we were just on because I think Mitchell Robinson and Josh Hart have the potential to be an extremely potent combination. And I think you're on the same page with me, but there's one guy on this team who has an even better net rating than Mitchell Robinson that you can throw into that mix as well. Yeah. And that brings me to my first bowl prediction. And man, I hope that these bowl predictions, actually this one, I hope I get wrong, but I think it is going to be the case. So, you know what, maybe I'm trying to do like a reverse jinx here. My bowl predictions were so horrible at the beginning of the season that maybe now I'm just trying to be like, okay, yeah, uh, this this is going to happen. This one, not the other two. The other two are good ones, so I don't want to jinx those. I only want to jinx this one. But I think that Emmanuel Quickly, Josh Hart, and Mitchell Robinson will have a 30-plus net rating together when they share the floor as a three-man unit. However, I think that grouping will play less than 50 total minutes together in the last 22 games of the season. Uh, I think my reasoning is pretty sound here. The, all three of those guys are plus minus gods. Uh, they are all like that is their calling card. Quickly is the the top net rating player on the Knicks now. Hart, once he becomes more like qualified through minutes, you know, and whatever, will surely be among the top guys, mostly because he's going to share the floor a lot with Quickly. 
Mitch, as we know, is also already one of the the biggest impact players on the team. However, I think based off how minute distribution goes down, Mitch is often of the starters, one of the lowest minute men, which is probably smart. That's like good. I don't think that he should be out there playing 40 minutes a game, given the fact that he's had health issues, you know, before and stuff has had like tricky ankles and things like that. You don't want to tempt fate, but he is also the most stuck to Tibbs's ideas of what uh, starters and bench players are. And I know that we've seen some games where quickly and Hart have played some minutes together late uh, in the few games that Hart has played with the Knicks. However, I'm leaning towards that not being the norm. I feel like one of RJ or uh, Grimes is going to eventually get back in to spoil that little pairing. Uh, and of course, Brunson will be in to close games. Randall will be in to close games. And Mitch presumably will be as well. However, just because of how rotations shake down with Tibbs, I think that those two are going to be spending most of their time with Hartenstein. And Mitch is unfortunately only going to get a little bit of overlap here and there with those two guys, which will be frustrating. But also, hopefully, those few minutes will just be a couple minutes of bliss every game. Uh, but yeah, I, I think less than 50 total minutes for that pairing, but they will be an overwhelming positive in the time they share the floor together. Yeah. I think you, you picked a great number for this because I don't think there's any debate that those three will, will kill it when they're on the court together. I would, I would throw out there if we were allowed to include playoff time in this, I would say they easily clear the 50 minutes because they bet those three are, are closing a lot of playoff games on the court together, um, which rolls into my next bold prediction. But I'm I'm gonna say they get slightly over 50 minutes together. Like I, I think I think quickly and Mitch are gonna close um, most of the games down the stretch. And I think if Hart keeps shooting as well as he does, he's in that mix as well. And and they're gonna be over RJ. And like a lot of times you'll have Grimes out there, and then and then the games RJ's really cooking, he'll be in there over Grimes. Like I, I just I kind of think um, at least for the moment, and and maybe this could change that um, Grimes is probably behind both quickly and Hart in the clutch time. Uh, protocols at the moment and I, I just love as, as a general thing that Hart's going to get both times with Mitch because we, we as we just discussed their ability to press that rebounding advantage but also with Hartenstein just because of his ability to to throw those Hail Mary outlets when, when Hart can just take off down the court and those two have a have a nice kind of uh, back and forth give and go chemistry so far uh, but my first bold prediction Alex that I just alluded to is I think RJ Barrett um, is a healthy scratch from the starting lineup, not from games, in the playoffs for more than one game. I, I think he is going to be the, to be clear, far, far, far elevated version of Alfred Payton in this year's playoffs. Like, like the Spurs famously would, would always start Manu Ginobili when things got dire in the playoffs or it was just kind of a crucial like game late in the series. Like if it was 2-2 against the Warriors, game five, all right, outcomes, Manu Ginobili, all three Hall of Famers or four, four Hall of Famers if it was after they got Kawhi. I think the Knicks are going to put out whatever their version of the death lineup is. Um, let's just say like they're tied 2-2 with the Cavs and like they're they're going um, on the road for game five. Like it's going to be quickly Hart, Grimes, Randall, Mitch, I think is what we're going to see over R.J. Barrett because I, I just don't have any faith right now based on what we're seeing from R.J. that when things get tighter in the playoffs and defenses are more focused and more cued into scouting reports, um, look, look, I think he'll make some big shots for sure. I don't see a hyper-efficient guy suddenly emerging in the crucible of the playoffs, particularly is if, if, as both of us predict, 
the Knicks ended up playing the Cavs, who are the top defense in the entire NBA. I mean, they, they just seem designed to smother R.J. Barrett. Just to be clear, you said uh, you said DMPs. Do you think he just straight up doesn't play? No, no, no. I said, I said a healthy scratch from the starting lineup. He's not. Oh, maybe, okay. When you said scratches, scratches, maybe not the word I should use because that usually implies injury. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm saying he's not. He's my point was he's healthy. It's not because of an injury, but he's out of the starting okay. lineup for multiple. Games. Okay. I heard healthy scratch, and I was like, damn. All right. This is more than I thought it was going to be. Bruce um, McBride is taking over <laughs> on Barrett's minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think I, I you know, honestly, I, I almost feel more though, like what's going to end up happening is what's probably going to bear out over the course of a lot of these regular season games too, is that it'll mostly be a case of him not closing most of those playoff games, but yeah, maybe there is like, you know, if they hit like a game, like a, like a crucial game six or something, maybe there is a world where Tibbs does say, you know, we got to put our best fo- foot forward first. Let's throw Hart in the starting lineup or let's throw quickly out there with Grimes or let's, I mean, let's throw quickly and uh, hard out there. If they're, you know, both playing fantastic. Like sometimes you just got to, especially when it's a do or die game, like that's when it's acceptable to coach like Tibbs and have dudes out there for like 43 minutes out of 48. Um, and that's when you got to like, just ride your best guys as much as you possibly can to try to get that win to advance in the playoffs. So uh, I'm with you. I think I, uh, I would be surprised if it was more than like one, maybe two games that RJ doesn't start in the playoffs, but I would not be surprised if when push came to shove, if there was that decision to be made uh, to remove one of the regulars from the starting lineup, that RJ would be that guy, at least if he doesn't turn things around here in the second half or second quarter of the season <laughs> um, with yeah, the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter of the season, which hopefully he does. Uh, Cause I'd much rather that than the alternative, which is that the Knicks, uh, you know, top young player, at least on paper is just suddenly not good anymore. That would not be as fun, uh, which we can get more into a couple more uh, bold predictions here in just a second, including uh, at least one more about a, one of the young players on the team, but I do just have to remind everybody real quick that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, then you gotta try a Built Bar. And I'm still on my New Year's resolution. Just got to work out in today. Just had a Built Bar today. I'm I'm having a great day. I uh, I you know went to the gym and did my whole like upper body routine and everything, and I feel pretty good. But I'm gonna feel better tomorrow having eaten a Built Bar because they taste amazing. And they give me tons of protein. And what makes those Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. And they taste like a candy bar because they're in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. My personal favorite tastes just like my one of my favorite candy bars, Almond Joy. And the best part is you don't have to feel guilty while you're eating them. They're only 130 calories and only have 4 grams of sugar, but have a whopping 17 grams of protein to help you recover from your workout or just give you energy to go about your day. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's club, run in and grab a 13 bar box with their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. All right, Gavin, we're back to continue our 
second or our fourth quarter, it's so tempting to say second half, but I'm protesting it. It's so stupid ever since, the, especially now that the NBA had to push an extra week thanks to the NFL. Just makes no sense. Anyway, uh, so we've got a few more quick bowl predictions to get into here. I'm gonna just I'm gonna read this one off, and I'm just gonna let you react to it because I feel like this this is I think my boldest one, uh, but also one I feel pretty strongly about based off how how things were going prior to the All Star break. Jalen Brunson will end up averaging over 25 points by the end of the year. Uh, which for reference, he's at like 23.8 or something right now, or 23.9. Like he's just a hair under 24. So it would take him continuing to be on this tear that he's on right now to get over 25. Uh, So he'll be over 25 a game by the end of the year, which will lead the team. And because of his enormous tear to end the season on, uh, he will get the All-NBA nod over Julius Randle, who will continue playing well and obviously got the All-Star nod. But I think that Brunson will be one of those rare and fun cases that does not make the all-star team. But then by the end of the year, thanks to how well the Knicks will close the season with him going as crazy as he is, he will end up on an all-NBA team, but not an all-star for the year. We are, uh, unfortunately, as always, uh, in lockstep. Uh, <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. I think it was... Uh, even though it was, it was kind of unfair and that Giannis obviously only ended up playing a minute of the game and it would have been cool for him to have like allow. I mean, obviously it was tricky with him as a captain, but it, it would have been cool for the NBA to get Jalen Brunson there, right? A- absolutely deserving. But I, I think it might be the best thing for the rest of the season that he did not go to the All-Star game. He's it absolutely scalding, um, but almost definitely needs a break. Because as, as we've said a couple of different times this year, he has never had to carry – anything close to a load like this. Like you can, you can even go back to his college days and he was part of a fantastic ensemble with Josh Hart, with Mikhail Bridges, with Dante DiVincenzo, with Eric Paschal on and on and on. Um, and then in Dallas, he was, he was always the second banana and, and sure he had to, he had to do it in the playoffs last year. That was, which, which was great. And it was amazing, but it was like eight, like five games before Luca came back, four games before Luca came back. Um, he, he, he could have used the break. And I think he's going to be clicking in exactly the same way, despite the week off, because the dude is just a basketball machine. And I think if the Knicks end the season on the kind of run that you and I both think they do um, and finish with the fifth seed ahead of teams like Miami and Brooklyn, Atlanta, everyone else in that mix, uh, there will be a real narrative push to get whoever the best Nick is in there. And I don't think Randall is going to go back to the kind of scalding shooting we saw from him um at points earlier this season and i I think brunson is just going to maintain and i I think he's going to make the push and end up uh third team all nba yeah yeah i could definitely see it too uh gavin we have one prediction that we're sort of once again in lockstep on but before we get into that one do you want to give your your quentin grimes uh take real quick yeah sure um yeah so i this is me doubling down on a preseason prediction that is the closest one I got to being right, but isn't quite there um, because I predicted that Grimes would end up starting over 50 games this year. I think when it's all said and done, he should get to that mark. Um, And I think I also predicted he would average over 14 points per game or over 13 points per game. He's at 10 right now. So not quite there, but I'm going to say he pulls off that feet the second half of the year over 14 points per game and over 40% from three to me, the the more questionable part questionable part is the 40 14 points per game because he wasn't getting that before Josh Hart got here. Now he's going to be getting less minutes, less opportunity, but 
Um, I know it was I know it was uh, a, a a version of the All Star Game with the uh, Rising Stars Challenge, but I think he found some real confidence there. Um, he was shooting, as I noted when we did the All Star episode. He just seemed far less rushed in his motion. He was attacking the rim with confidence. He looked athletic. I think he's going to come back refreshed, reset, um, and, and just just letting it fly a little bit more often with all the attention that Brunson is drawing, all the attention that Randall is drawing. There are a lot of different avenues for Quentin Grimes to score the basketball, not just kickouts to him from three-point range. Uh, Fred Katz did a really nice job in, in his article today for The Athletic showing how the Knicks are using Brunson, or uh, Grimes excuse me, as a roller in kind of a Draymond Green context where when one of uh, Brunson or Randall gets trapped, he can just dive to the rim and, and be kind of a creator in four-on-three situations. I think he's going to have a fantastic end to the season, Alex. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I could see it. Uh, you know, I think that the Rising Stars game in many ways probably did something for him, sort of like what the Summer League did for him and that he got a taste of being a more active offensive player again, uh, which it's not to say that he's not active on the Knicks right now, but he's definitely – like especially in that starting lineup, he's the fourth option. Like full stop, you know he's he's behind the the mid three, you know, which gets funnier by the day to call them. Uh, outside of, I guess RJ has not been the best this year, but Julius and Brunson have been bona fide all star players. But um, the, you know, obviously he's behind the two all stars, and then also behind RJ Barrett in the pecking order. There, perhaps he'll now be a little more inspired and a little more confident to kind of handle the ball a little bit. Like if it comes to him on the perimeter and he gets the inclination to put it on the floor and, you know, create a little more, maybe create his own shot a little more. He won't have uh, Jose Alvarado, like riding on his back, like a toddler um, in, you know, regular season NBA games, at least I hope not. Um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, he'll get, I think he'll get more opportunity and more, uh, it hopefully has a shot of, of confidence because he, he was wavering a little bit before the All-Star break as far as his shooting percentages and looking comfortable and stuff like that. Granted, he still hit some big shots in some of those games, but his percentages were not as great as you would want to see. So hopefully hopefully after the break is a nice uh, nice bounce back for him. But Gavin, our final prediction, which we sort of went in on together, the Knicks will end up the five-seed and get within striking distance of the four seed. I don't think they'll ultimately get it, but I think that whether it's the the Sixers or the Cavs that ultimately end up in that four spot, I think the Knicks will be close enough that people will still be putting out the magic numbers and stuff up until the final like three or four games of the season. Uh, and the Knicks could still be, you know, in play for that four seed up until the last minute because. I think they're going to close the season really strong. I think they were playing as a team. I feel like they've been playing their best ball. You know, the fact that they that they were able to find as much success as they have without their, like, ultimate defensive linchpin in Mitchell Robinson, who's been out for a few weeks, and yet they were still able to go into the All-Star break that scorching hot. I just have, like, the utmost confidence that they've found something here, like that they are they're clicking together on, like, a very – high level and i think that they're going to close this season so strong i think they're going to easily pass by the nets and i think they're going to also do more than enough to hold off the heat and they're much like they did two years ago 
when they snuck into the four seed, I think that there's going to be an at least an outside chance that that happens again, but they'll ultimately settle in at the five seed, which I guess just saying the five seed part isn't that spicy. So I'll say that they are like dangerously close to being the four seed, but do not ultimately pull it off. Yeah, I think um, I, I guess I, I maybe maybe I'm bailing late. I guess I'm only halfway in here because I think they I just think they clearly get the five seed. Like, I, I think they're just a better team than Miami is right now. I think they're clearly a far better team than Brooklyn. My only reticence in saying that they get close is that Cleveland is playing um, as well as anyone right now in the NBA. And like they do have a tough schedule down the stretch. But if, if they stay healthy, like they should have a decent separation um, from the Knicks and then um it's uh oh well actually i know and cleveland has one of the easiest schedules in the league down the stretch and now that i'm yeah really, philly actually has one philly of has a really hard schedule um so yeah. philly would be kind of the bet for them to fall that, off that's actually the team that i think okay. might end up being the team that the Knicks end up close to and might be their first first round matchup is philly yeah yeah that's that's a fair a fair prediction and and you know what with like i think the the key variable there will be like how much they um, sit and beat um, and and try to just get them a hundred percent healthy for the playoffs. And I, if I was if I was the Sixers, I would I would prioritize that over everything else. Uh, Alex, I know um, I, I I think I just I want us to have more disagreement on the show, and I've I've just kind of just been sitting in my head the last few minutes since we talked about it. I also want to circle back to the Brunson one because all right, we're saying like because I think he's going to finish incredibly well this year, and I think he will be more in the conversation than Randall. Um, but when we're talking about all NBA, like I, I just kind of like I realized I didn't even like consider this before. Like when we're looking at the other guards, like would he have to make it over like all right, let's just say like Steph, like pretty good chance now, just because Steph is missing so much time with injuries. But then the other guys in the mix, like I think Dame is a lock over him, right? And then we have Luca, who's gotten in as a point guard, I think the last or I, I guess Steph's been the point guard, but Luca like could get in as a point guard theoretically. And then you have Fox and Halliburton. So he has to beat out those two guys. And then maybe is there, I'm trying to think, is there, is there anyone else I'm missing at point guard? Like, I guess Harden could theoretically get in at point guard. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty competitive field. Well, to be, I don't think that they distinguish, do they distinguish for all NBA point guard or shooting guard? Or I thought they usually just do two guards. Or do they do it more? I know that they still stick to like center. For that, but I usually thought that it was like two guards, two forwards, and a center for each team. But okay, I could so, be so. I, so I could last be year, the first team for guard Luca was the point guard, and Devin Booker was the shooting guard on the first team. On the second okay. team, they did have two point guards. They had Steph and Ja, and then third okay. team they had Trey and Chris Paul. So all right, so maybe maybe I'm off on that, and that that could be that could be the difference there. Um, if they yeah on two point guards. Because I'm look if I'm looking at guys that are like on the bubble, like SGA, I feel like because a team performance wouldn't make it. Like yeah. our whole thing here is that we're saying like, yeah, the because- Knicks finish really well, and there's like a kind of a budding narrative around them. Exactly. Like, and and if he got up to 25 points per game, if it was just how it stands right now, he would be the 15th highest score in the NBA. Yeah, which is literally right on the threshold of third team if you're just going by points. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, then he's got to fight with, I mean, so looking at some of the competition, Lillard, I'm with you, I think would end up making it. Morant would make it. Donovan Mitchell's got to make it, so that's three. Yeah. Jalen Brown, I think, makes it over him. And Jalen Brown's yeah. he's a two-guard, so that's four. So that's four. So then yeah. it's then there's, uh, like, essentially two spots. So then, yeah, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and him. Yeah. Uh, maybe 
Anthony Edwards gets a little bit of yeah, Devin, Devin Booker if he has a killer finish, probably not. That means that yeah. he's missed too much time, probably. And then um, Harden, I guess, is in the mix. I think he makes it over Harden if he finishes the way that we're talking about right yeah. now. Um, and then I guess if Steph, like Steph, still might just get votes just because he's Steph and he's. I mean, he's been good enough, but he just. He's, I think he's missed too much time. Um, yeah, to be in that mix. It is still, yeah. I mean, it's still and, and, really and tough. SGA, deal. like, like it's such a big story this year. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, I think though that those awards come so down to narrative that, like, mm. if the Knicks really go storming into the playoffs, like, that's gonna, that's gonna weigh, that's gonna like outweigh things. Like, we're gonna see some, like the if you're watching on YouTube, like the I specifically remember when this slam cover came out, and that was like the peak of like. Nick's hype right towards the end of the season. And I feel like stuff like that literally like propels you further into like the public consciousness and then influences the people that vote on those awards because they're just kind of like, I mean, it's all a story, you know, the NBA is a big soap opera. So I feel like that would be sort of the thing that would push Brunson over the top. That said, maybe slam decides to put out a cover with Halliburton on it instead. Um, in which case then he's screwed. I don't know, um, but it'll be interesting to watch. I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see how it all plays out, but we've got 22 games left to see and uh, can't come soon enough, quite frankly, because the well has been so dry this week. I have no idea what to even talk about, though we managed to pull 30 plus minutes out of our butts for this episode. So I guess we we found our way. But until next time, uh, thank you all for listening. We will, of course, have that game recap uh, on Saturday morning. We're going to put out a Saturday episode this week because – why would we not want to talk about the first Knicks game back? So keep your eyes out for that, your ears out for that. And until next time, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out.